It's Christmas Day. I'm Jamie Easton. This is the Smart 7's review of 2023. We start today with a look back at some of the big stories from January and February of this year. Some of the stories in today's edition include a year of strikes get started, political leaders step down, Turkey and Syria hit by an earthquake, and Ken Bruce brings a surprise. Grab a cup of something hot, put up your feet, and get up to speed on the seven biggest stories of the week. This is the Standout 7 from the Smart 7. It's news, but not the news. Twenty twenty three has been a year of strikes as workers felt the squeeze from rising inflation and the cost of energy. The NHS in particular has struggled in twenty twenty three with the after effects of the pandemic, which saw waiting lists hit record highs and staff shortages. Way back in January, Prime Minister Rishi Sunak was in County Durham, bringing his maths teacher energy to bear on the problem, proposing a list of five things that'd get the NHS back on track. There's five very specific things we're doing. The first is more capacity. The second thing is to increase the workforce. Uh, The third thing was discharge. The fourth thing is having more people cared outside of hospitals. Uh, And lastly, we're going to improve 111. So far, so good. But with more strikes on the way, Rishi wasn't moving on pay, saying he wished he had a magic wand, but without it, controlling inflation had to remain the priority. And Saffron Cordry from NHS Providers said that while it's good to have 5,000 more beds and more ambulances, there was one crucial element that couldn't be ignored. You can't simply roll out these services without adequate workforce available. And that's our main concern. Health Secretary Steve Barclay said with a £1 billion fund to back the new initiatives, he was confident they could also resolve the staffing issue. Well, we're increasing the workforce. There's 10,500 more nurses this year compared to last year. We're on track to deliver our manifesto commitment for 50,000 more nurses with over 30,000 of those already uh, achieved. New plan or not, the first day of Feb saw the biggest day of strike action in more than a decade. Striking teachers held rallies across England and Wales with about 60% of schools affected and some completely shut. Civil servants, rail workers, bus drivers and university staff were also involved with most calling for better pay. TUC General Secretary Paul Novak spoke to the BBC as up to half a million workers went on strike. The decision to take strike action has been made by hundreds of thousands of workers who are just literally at the end uh, of their tethers. After years of underinvestment, Paul reckoned it was time for the Prime Minister and Chancellor to talk seriously about pay. But Education Secretary Gillian Keegan said the country simply didn't have the money for huge salary increases. But what we cannot do is give inflation-busting pay rises to one part of the workforce and, you know, make inflation worse for everybody. That's not an economically sensible thing to do. And Dr Mary Boosted from the National Education Union made it sound like the Education Secretary is in line for some serious detention unless things improve. This just isn't good enough. It's not good enough for parents. It's not good enough for children. It's not good enough for my members. We stand ready to negotiate with the Secretary of State once she gets her act together and her story straight. Twenty twenty three has seen the war in Ukraine continue, and despite Ukraine's best efforts, there hasn't been much significant progress. Back in January, the Foreign Office confirmed the death of two British volunteers who'd gone missing in Ukraine. Chris Parry and Andrew Bagshaw were killed whilst trying to evacuate civilians from the city of Solidar. A statement from Chris's family says they were extremely proud of his selfless determination to help. Meanwhile, corruption allegations led to a shake-up of senior government officials by Ukrainian President Zelensky. The country's anti-corruption police is reported 
reportedly investigating bribes, and President Zelensky said officials could face jail. The Ukrainian cabinet of ministers has dismissed the deputy minister exposed by Ukraine's National Anti-Corruption Bureau. Law enforcers have every opportunity to conduct an investigation and bring the case to court. There was good news on the military front at the end of January. After sustained international pressure, Ukraine was finally getting the tanks and heavy weaponry it needed to hold off a Russian spring offensive. German Chancellor Olaf Scholz confirmed that Germany would be providing Ukraine with two battalions of Leopard 2 tanks and explained why it had taken so long to send aid. We are dealing here with very effective weapon systems and it is the right thing for us to never provide these weapon systems on our own, but always in close cooperation. And then President Biden announced that US will follow Germany and plan to send 31 Abrams tanks over. He branded the tanks the most capable in the world and addressed the nation from the White House pledging continued support for a very grateful Zelensky. Putin expected Europe and the United States to weaken our resolve. He expected our support for Ukraine to crumble with time. He was wrong. He was wrong from the beginning and he continues to be wrong. We are united. Meanwhile, NATO Secretary-General Jens Stoltenberg reiterated the new wave of weaponry as a sign of unified support for Ukraine and that Russia has made a big mistake. Uh, President Putin uh, made at least two big mistakes, uh, strategic mistakes, when he invaded uh, Ukraine. He totally underestimated the Ukrainian, the Ukrainian armed forces, but he also underestimated NATO and uh, NATO allies and partners. President Biden made a surprise visit to Ukraine in February, just days before the anniversary of Russia's invasion. As well as committing to a further $500 million of military support, including more ammunition, he pledged further sanctions against Moscow. He also said Putin had underestimated the West's resolve, telling Russia it was dead wrong to assume Western support for Ukraine could be outlasted. I was warning the world that he was going to attack. I was certain of it. I thought it was critical that there would not be any doubt, none whatsoever, about U.S. support for Ukraine in their war against the brutal attack by Russia. Vladimir Zelensky was optimistic. And this is really the most important visit of the whole history of Ukraine-U.S. relationship. Putin took the stage to mark the one-year anniversary of Russia's invasion, addressing Russia's joint houses of parliament for the first time since 2021. The responsibility for escalation of Ukrainian conflict and uh, fanning it is fully and square on the Western elites and, of course, on today's Kiev regime. His two-hour speech gave no hint of regret or any sign of compromise. Instead, he spoke about suspending Russia's participation in the New START agreement, which is the last remaining nuclear arms control agreement between Russia and the United States. He also warned that Russia was ready to resume nuclear testing. Biden responded from Warsaw, where he met with NATO and pledged ongoing support for Ukraine. One year ago, the world was bracing for the fall of Kiev. Well, I just come from a visit to Kiev, and I can report Kiev stands strong. Kiev stands proud. It stands tall. And most important, it stands free. Friday the 24th of February saw the UK hold a minute's silence at 11am to mark one year since the invasion. But as Putin made clear, the war is by no means over. And during a speech to mark Defender of the Fatherland Day, he announced they would deploy its new Sarmat intercontinental ballistic missile, nicknamed Satan II. UN Secretary-General Antonio Guterres called out Moscow's threats about possible use of nuclear weapons. The so-called tactical use of nuclear weapons is utterly unacceptable. It is high time to step back from the brink. The world of 
politics saw significant surprises in the early part of 2023 as two major female political leaders stepped back from the front line. First up was New Zealand's Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern, who shocked the world as she announced she was resigning as Prime Minister and calling a general election for October. She had been PM for five and a half years, steering the country through the pandemic and events such as the Christchurch mosque attack. She said she spent the summer considering her future and just doesn't think she's got enough energy to face another term. And so today I'm announcing that I will not be seeking re-election and that my term as Prime Minister will conclude no later than the 7th of February. I know what this job takes and I know that I no longer have enough in the tank to do it justice. It's that simple. And then in February, Nicola Sturgeon announced she'd be resigning as First Minister and leader of the SNP after eight years in charge. Speaking at a hastily organised press conference in Butte House, she said the time was right for her to step down. Since my very first moments in the job, I have believed that part of serving well would be to know when the time is right to make way for someone else. In my head and in my heart... I know that time is now. Her resignation came amidst criticism over her strategy around independence, the trans-prisoner policy and Scotland's block gender reform bill. But she claimed recent controversies didn't play a part. She planned to stay on until a new SNP leader had been elected, adding that the choice to step down was not easy. To those who do feel shocked, disappointed, perhaps even a bit angry with me, please know that my decision comes from a place of duty, and of love. She received tributes from a number of politicians, including her predecessor, former Scottish First Minister Alex Salmond. Nicholas' biggest political talent was as a communicator, and that was shown up in the uh, pandemic. In early February, a 7.8 magnitude earthquake struck the border between Turkey and Syria. It was followed by a series of powerful aftershocks which caused massive destruction on both sides of the border. The death toll climbed quickly to over 20,000 people as search and rescue operations worked frantically to dig survivors out of the rubble. Turkish President Erdogan declared a three-month state of emergency and said the tragedy was unprecedented. These earthquakes uh, caused much destruction in a very large geography. Therefore, for the whole world, we, uh, we are faced with a great disaster. The World Health Organization predicts 23 million people have been affected, with a final death toll reaching 55,000. Director General Dr. Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyes committed the organization's full support. We all stand with you in this moment of unspeakable grief. This is a moment when we must come together in solidarity. Justin Johnson from the UK's National Fire Chiefs Council said teams were heading for Turkey carrying vital supplies. Our teams now will be moving on to scene. They'll be allocated an area. They'll be working alongside other fire and rescue services and other rescue teams. This vital, vital few days is where we'll focus most of our efforts to ensure we can rescue as many people as possible. And World Health Organization spokesperson Dr Margaret Harris said they'd managed to get medical supplies into Syria. We are working to bring in emergency medical teams at the request of the country so that they're the people who can actually provide the right services in the right places. Some victims were complaining of a slow government response to the quakes, but Erdogan had been visiting disaster sites and said the state was doing all it could. We have mobilized all our means. The state has been and will be carrying out rescue works together with the municipalities with all its means, especially with the coordination of the Turkish Emergency Management Authority. Still to come on this Christmas edition of the Standout 7, Ken Bruce surprised the nation and it was Jeremy Renner versus the snow plow. Right after this... <laughs> 
Welcome back. Following the murder of Sarah Everard by a serving Met police officer and the conviction of PC David Carrick on multiple counts of rape, trust in British policing was at an all-time low. And in mid-February, it was Lancashire police who came under fire after disclosing personal information about missing dog walker Nicola Bully. The force released a statement revealing that Nicola, who vanished in January, was classified as high risk due to struggles with alcohol. Peter Folding is a forensic search and rescue expert who was involved in the search and said the information should never have been made public. The way it's been released to the media, I'm getting calls from senior police officers, like, what is going on? You know, it shouldn't have been done. I feel so sorry for the family. And also the police have get normal police officers are working extremely hard on this search and all the detectives. And it's just exposing everybody to criticism for no reason, really. Eventually, Nicola's family issued a statement asking for an end to speculation. And Lancashire police were critical of so-called armchair sleuths who'd taken to the internet to try and solve the disappearance. But former Detective Inspector Martin Underhill said public speculation was inevitable, given the lack of police communication. They have appeared in this inquiry in unprecedented volume because the police didn't talk. Um, we've gone over a week without a press conference. Because they're not filling that space, other people are. Sadly, we are now, now able to confirm that yesterday we recovered Nicola Bully from the River Wire. Nicola's family have been informed and are, of course, devastated. That was Assistant Chief Constable Peter Lawson of Lancashire Police confirming the body found on Sunday the 19th of February was in fact Nicola. Before the formal identification was made, Nicola's partner Paul Ansell said there were no words right now, just agony. Her family went on to criticise sections of the media for what they called a shameful intrusion of their privacy while that search went on. DCS Pauline Stables read out a statement on their behalf. We will never be able to comprehend what Nikki had gone through in her last moments, and that will never leave us. We will never forget Nikki. How could we? She was the centre of our world. She was the one who made our lives so special, and nothing will cast a shadow over that. He was the affable voice of mid-mornings on BBC Radio 2, but he sprung a surprise on the nation mid-January. Ken Bruce announced he was leaving the nation's favourite station and crossing the road to Bower's Greatest Hits Network. The announcement came out of the blue on his show on a Tuesday morning, and yes, he took Popmaster with him too. They all popped up on the Greatest Hits Network a few months later in April. I have now decided that the time is right for me to move on from Radio 2. Nothing stays the same forever, uh, and I really must stress that this is entirely my decision. My decision entirely. However, some new opportunities have come up and I would like to continue my career in just a slightly different way. Jeremy Renner could save the world from Thanos, but he couldn't defeat a snowplough, as he ended up in hospital after getting run over by one, as you do. The Avengers star was airlifted to hospital just after New Year with serious injuries after the accident with a six-and-a-half-ton vehicle outside his home in Reno, Nevada. Thankfully, he recovered and seemed to be in a stable condition as he took to Instagram thanking fans for their support. Meanwhile, his local sheriff called a press conference to clear up any questions, including questions we definitely didn't have on the matter. An eyewitness detailed seeing Mr. Renner getting into the piston bully and not seeing him again until the piston bully came to arrest in a pile of snow in front of his driveway. We do not suspect any foul play. We believe this was a tragic accident. You've been listening to The Smart 7. We'll be back tomorrow at 7am. Hit that follow button and have a great day.
give us seven minutes, we'll give you the world.